increasing regulation, market saturation, and rising interest rates. Still think short-term rentals make sense? You're not alone. Join industry experts Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell as they discuss how you can invest while still staying ahead of the curve, identifying trends before they happen, or blowing them away outright with their insights. This is STRonomics. Are you looking to invest in short-term rentals in North Carolina or South Carolina? There's a lot of great markets there, but even more important the markets are that you find the right agent. And that's where my man, Tyler Kuhn comes into place. I personally used him for three purchases totaling over $3.5 million. And I would not look to anybody else. Just jump down into the show notes right here below the podcast, click on the link and book a free discovery call with Tyler to explore the opportunities in both North Carolina and South Carolina today. Everybody, Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell, we're back with another episode of STR Anomics. Uh, I do want to point out that Kenny is not wearing uh, the STR Wealth Conference uh, t-shirt, but he does have a build short-term rental wealth hoodie on. So <laughs> thank you for your support, Kenny. I want to talk about today kind of multiplexes, multifamily motels, boutique hotels, apartment complex investing really anything over four units or more in most states, because that's going to qualify uh, for a different type of valuation and also lending. So what do you think about that to kind of lead us off? Wow. What do I think about it? I think and I'll, I'll, I'll leave you in. I think it's a much safer play today. I've got uh, an apartment complex under contract and a motel under contract, and I have not bought a single family home for almost six months. So it is a two-pronged approach. What I mean by that is that you have opened yourself up to options in the investment world. So when you're when you're looking at a short-term rental investment, typically that property, especially in vacation rental properties, can usually only be a vacation rental. It can't be a long-term rental, meaning that the numbers won't make sense if it's a long-term or even a mid-term. And so what I really like about this type of play is that a lot of times these uh, multiplexes, what we'll call them, or even potentially boutique hotels as well. Maybe I'll, I'll stick with multiplexes. That's probably better. They, they have a two-pronged approach, meaning that they you're purchasing it for the purpose of being a short-term rental. And then also it can be used as a long-term rental as well to, you know, if you wanted to, or a midterm rental. Um, I think that it, that gives you options and availability, which means it is safer. Less risk. When I say mm. safe, it's talking about mitigating risk. So, and, and the risk is if something were to happen in that particular market, can I switch over to a different, can I pivot? How easy is it to pivot away and to change up my uh, business strategy or, or my focus? And the multiplex has really changed that up and or, or allow you to be able to pivot easier than just purchasing a vacation rental because, you know, you bought a seven bedroom, eight bedroom cabin uh, in the middle of, you know, whatever, some mountain and all of a sudden no one's renting it out, what do you do? You have to sell. You're probably going to sell at a loss uh, unless you've owned it for many, many years. So I really <laughs> like the multiplex play. I personally have not invested in a multiplex yet, keyword yet. However, I do have a triplex that I do something kind of similar. And it's, it is has been an amazing <laughs> flexibility and the ability to pivot when needed. Um, in terms of changing it into a midterm rental, long-term rental, or keeping it as a short-term rental. So I'm going to go completely down a different path than why it's safer. 
And nothing, nothing that Kenny said is wrong by any means. But if your duplex doesn't work, triplex doesn't work, you have to be in four units, a quadplex or larger. And the reason that it's safer is very simple. When you look at a single family home, a duplex or a triplex, and as Kenny alluded to, you have to go and you have to sell. You're selling based on comps. So we've already taken in most markets, 15, 20% hit, some markets 30% since March. Probably, in my opinion, going to see another 10 to 30% in the next 100 to you know, 120 days. So if you have to, if you bought a property, you know, like I did as an example in May, I've spent just over 535,000 and I've already taken 20% hit on that. What is 20% of 500,000, Kenny? You're the, you're the data guy. I'm so, not real smart, it's like a hundred grand, right? If I think another 20% down to 40%, that's like 200 grand. I put like 115 down on this property, right? I'm going to lose my arse uh, if I have to sell that property. And it's almost impossible to get forced appreciation in a single family home or a duplex or a triplex because everything's based on comps. If you buy a fourplex, you buy an apartment complex, you buy a motel, anything above four units, the the valuation is going to be completely different. It's a commercial valuation based on cap rate. So you can force the appreciation, right? So if you can go in and then somebody's doing a hundred grand, then you can put in a hundred thousand dollars in renovation, design, whatever, and turn that into a two hundred thousand dollar a year property. You're going to get a much higher multiple to be able to exit. If need be, if it's not cash flowing off of the forced appreciation, that's the single reason that that I look at it being a much safer play, right? You can still do midterm, you can do long term, you can do whatever you want because most of these are going to be studios, one bedroom, two bedrooms, possibly some three bedrooms. So you can run them like a motel, you can run them like an apartment complex on LTR, you can even do the midterm and uh, short term. So I think you have a tremendous amount of flexibility, but. The thing that is challenging is even my portfolio is is at about even right now of where it fluctuates going up 1%, Kenny, 2% down, depending on the week. This is going to be a slow week. Last week was great. And I, I went from like down 3.2% up to like 2.7% year over year. I think it'll probably come back down to even maybe slightly younger this week. But I can't change the valuation of the properties. You know, I bought Banner Elk, $1.6 million in early March. I mean, 20% down on 1.6 million is 320 grand. You know, so I mean, that property is probably worth 1275 today. And that means I probably couldn't even sell it for one, two, maybe 1175 if I'm lucky. Right. So, I mean, that's the challenge of and the risk, in my opinion, of buying single family homes right now. And that kind of goes back to those realtor statements that, you know, we talked about in the previous episode, you know, about now's the right time to get in. There's got, the circumstances always need to be favorable when you're getting in. And there are favorable circumstances today, even in the single family home, you know, component. But it's more than just midterm, short-term appreciation. You got to look at everything combined, right? So I'm looking at the valuations and what I'm really good at and what I can control. Nobody watching this, including Kenny and myself, can control the comps. It's impossible for us to control comps. What we can control is how we would upgrade, renovate, do our research, force appreciation, and do our financing for to roll in a budget of 
uh, to achieve ARV after renovation value. And if you do that in something that has four units or more, now you can really force an appreciation and you can exit if the cash flow is not where you want. And you can exit in usually less than 18 to 24 months. And that's with interest rates staying status quo on your entry level. So if you get in at 7.5% today and 18 months, 16 months, whatever down the road, it's still at 7.5%, you're still going to get a higher multiple by increasing the NOI and operating income to be able to exit at a profit. Now, if we're fortunate enough, and I don't know that we will be that soon to have a 1% drop to 6.75 or 6.5 or 6.25, then you you kind of hit utopia. But I don't think, I don't know. It's interesting, Kenny. A lot of people are saying, oh, well, it'll go back down to four. It'll go back down to five. I don't know that we'll ever see 3% or 4% interest rates again in our lifetime, let alone in the near future. So I'm hoping that we'll see six, six and a half within yeah. the next five years. I don't know if anybody has a crystal ball, but I just, I don't see it going back down to where we were in COVID because those were there due to extenuating circumstances, which I, means that it's going to take much longer for physical appreciation of single family homes. So that's what I'm saying. I'm the single family home guy. I'm the luxury single family home guy. That's what I've been branded as. And that's what I own. Uh, but I, I'm looking at, if I'm entering today, I'm only entering if the situation is extremely favorable and get a 30% discount up front on a single family home. And that's one that I haven't been able to get that yet because people are still hanging on to their high prices. Uh, and I think they're going to be able to quite a bit, honestly, because there's such a lack of inventory. People are overpaying still to break into the short-term rental market. Um, and until that stops, I think it's still a buyer's market, contrary to what people think. You know, we've had a lot of people, Kenny, uh, a couple of the deals, you know, from our mastermind that went up to, to Louisville backed out because of just huge issues on the back end, you know, of, of when they go through their inspections and things of that nature. So um, I'm just, I'm really strong on making safe real estate investments. I'm very, very conservative, way more conservative than I think the public persona thinks that I am. And I look at the multifamily because of the valuations are the safer play. It also gives you options, like you said, in the uh, in the different levels of LTR, you know, MTR and SCR. My concern with multiplexes or, well, not necessarily multiplexes, but more so boutique hotels, but they fall under the same thing. They're commercial properties. So Bill, from your experience, what are the different lending obligations or criteria is probably a better term. What is the different lending criteria for the commercial property because now they're lending based on revenue or potential mm -hmm. revenue, I should say. So how does that work? How does someone? Well, they're not lending on potential revenue. They're lending on real revenue. So that's why you have to, so like, here's the problem. You and I both know that most people are still investing on T12s. They're looking at the numbers. I get them every day. Oh my God, we were the agents of this house. I got, I got three texts while we've been recording podcasts from a guy. And the agent says it's going to do 200. Well, that's because they're fucking pulling up AirDNA and looking at the last 12 months. Let's pull that down by 25%. 25% off of 200. Let's just say you're going to do 150, right? How does that change your investment today? So, but that's not going to affect the value. Now let's throw in, oh, what if it only, what if we only take another 10% hit? So you're going to lose $20,000 or, you know, to do 200,000, you got to spend at least a million. So 10%, you're going to lose $100,000 in value. Oh, you're only doing a 10% down loan? 
Now you're creating, you're talking crazy talk, right? You've got no equity in the property. So in these properties and, you know, multiple units, both you said boutique hotels. So like we're buying a motel and we're going to turn it into a boutique motel. So the valuation is going to be based on the, the, the T12s essentially, right? Which is ridiculously low. So we will still pay an interest rate, probably lower than what most people, you know, we've got the bank whisperer on our team. So we get a little bit better interest rates, but they've still gone up. You know, the apartment complex in Hot Springs that you're very well aware of, um, you know, we've gone through three uh, interest rate heights and it'll be a fourth in November before uh, we even have an opportunity to be able to close. So we're asking for discounts. The T12s are really what's going to set the cap rate for our purchase, which is a good thing. We go in and we force appreciation in our T12s. That's why we need 16 months, 18 months. Because typically you got to make sure that you're going through a prime season, right? So if you're winter season and you buy now, you're probably not going to be ready with renovations and everything. You might have to operate as is. Might do your renovations in March, April, May. Then you have to come back through the next winter season to be able to get a prime, like maximize your T12, right? So that's why you're typically looking somewhere between 16 to 20 months before you're going to reposition. Well, now if I can take that hundred, let's just say $100,000 T12 now and turn that into a $400,000 T12, I've just 3X'd the, the forced depreciation. Does that make sense? Now, the banking side, the beauty of this is, is that a lot of banks that are experienced in multifamily will loan based on ARV. Now, we have to be able to prove that. We've got to show them what we're doing. So we, we're in communications with the city. We know what the signage ordinances are all the things that we can and we cannot do. Now we're going, okay, if we do this, this, and this, we're going to upgrade exterior, paint, things to the pool, new signage, new furnishings, blah, blah, blah. And this is how we're going to get to, you know, this ADR and this gross revenue. And then here's our operating expense. Here's our property tax. Here's all this stuff. We get an NOI and an operating income. That's where the cap rate's going to be set. So as we, and they're going to say, okay, you have a $450,000 renovation budget. We will fund that right into the loan because they know based on our history, our performance that we ran, we, we're, they're, they're requesting history now. So we have to show them, you know, all of our properties that we own, you know, when we've owned them for a year, two years, three years, three years, tax returns, kind of all that stuff, you know, that goes into that level two or level three that John talks about. Um, so it's a much more stringent vetting process. I can definitely get through that. John can get through that. Our capital company can get through that. It's a little bit more challenging on the front end, but we're getting that ARV uh, funding on the front, which is nearly impossible to be able to do without having history and a very, very strong relationship with a private local bank. You know, a DSCR is not going to do that for you. A national bank like Chase or Bank of America is not going to do that for you. So it does have to do with being very selective within your banking relationships. But in the two uh, scenarios that I'm talking about right now, we had no relationship with either of these banks beforehand. But because we have our shit together, meaning our, our history, our portfolios, our performance, our personal financial statements, our liquidity statements, our tax returns, and we can show that we have a successful track record, we're able to get this funding. So it is a little bit more challenging but it's way safer. And there's pros and cons. You know me. I don't want to. I don't want to add. Holy smokes, thirty six units to my portfolio. So in our capital group, I'm the one that'll be managing these, right? 
So I'm literally gonna more, I'm gonna double my portfolio, more than double my overall number of doors. And the only reason I'm doing it is because of that forced appreciation and evaluation. The cash flow is gonna be great, but when we exit three, four, five years down the road, that's where the big payoff comes with this. Does that make sense? And that's why I think the boutique hotels are a sexy thing right now. The thing that you can get really, and I'm not, this is not about boutique hotels. This is about anything that's a, a quadplex or higher and the options that you have from a banking standpoint, from a forced appreciation standpoint, as Kenny brought up from a rental standpoint, it gives us more options, which is going to make it a little bit safer than buying a single family home. Because if we do take a 20% hit and, I, and I've got, if we take a 20% hit in real estate values and I'm looking at buying a single family home, that's a million, that's going to cost me 200,000 bucks. It's not going to affect the, the apartment complex in the hotel the same way. It actually has zero effect in that way. So that's where it looks safer to me. With that being said, there's one skill that I think becomes really important. And that's where John Hodge, the bank was, not only is he the bank whisperer, he owns a construction company. So to be able to get wholesale construction on that $465,000 budget, and that's going to be probably like $650,000 to $700,000 of retail renovation, retail construction. So that's a whole nother advantage that we have that makes it a little bit easier, um, not only from qualifying with the bank based on the history, but also on the execution and sustaining the budget. Gotcha. One of my concerns, or I guess a concern that's been voiced to me though, is when you sell though, let's say you sell in three to five years, that particular asset, and let's say it took a hit in revenue. So you can't sell for what the initial cap rate you were getting for, correct? Like you're you're going to sell based on, you're going to sell in most cases based on your T12s. So that would be your trailing 12 months uh, of revenue and NOI, your net operating income, which is going to, the formula to set the cap rate essentially. So if you have the skills that I have combined with the skills that John has on the construction side, you just like anything else, you got to really evaluate where you're entering at and then where you want to exit at. So if we can't pretty much probably three times the the equity position, three times the value of the asset through our forced appreciation to get to ARV, we're probably not going to make the investment. If we can't three to five X the T12s, we're probably not going to make the investment. In this case, we should be able to four X, well, probably actually now because we found some other things through due diligence. And one of these properties will probably be able to five and a half to six X one of the properties and four and a half to five and a half X the other property. So it kind of hits all of, you know, we talked about in the last episode, Kenny, about, you know, really defining your outcome, defining retirement and all that stuff. It's the same thing about defining expectations. You know, the last one was about the exit. It's the same thing here, right? So you have to plan your exit in something like this. This is not going to be a buy and hold for retirement unless you can get to infinite cash flow. And when you get to infinite cash flow, that is utopia for us in real estate, right? And Many times that's what happens when you go into a multifamily project like this on a smaller level. We're not talking, you know, 10 million, 20 million, 30 million dollar developments here. We're talking sub 2 million. That's what becomes extremely important. Are you looking to purchase an STR in the Western North Carolina mountains, the high country, maybe even on, on the beach of North Carolina and the OBX or all the way down into Hilton Head, South Carolina? My man, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty has you covered. 
And one of the things that I love about Tyler is he specializes in short-term rentals. He takes a no BS approach, is honest, and is filled with integrity. How do I know this? Because I've used Tyler on three transactions totaling almost three and a half million dollars. And he has absolutely crushed it for me. Look, if you're not sure where you should invest, he's based out of Asheville, North Carolina. He helped me invest in Banner Elk, North Carolina, and Beach Mountain, North Carolina. He's not only just a real estate agent that specializes in short-term rentals, Tyler is also an owner of short-term rentals and owns a management company. So one of the biggest hurdles for us mentally is to get over, how do I find cleaners? How do I find handymen? How do I find a plumber? Well, you know what? Tyler's dialed in and he helps his clients navigate those issues. So if you're looking to invest pretty much anywhere in the Carolinas, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty is your man. And right now he's actually doing a free discovery call. You can click down on the link in the notes and set up your free discovery call with Tyler today. Let's talk about markets to do this. In. So what markets would you advise or, so we know, we know you're in hot springs, but what are some ideal markets that this might be attractive in? I think it's any market. I don't think it is a market, to be honest with you. I think it's really important on a deal by deal basis. It's kind of like when we talked with Ryan Duffy about midterm stays and, you know, in Branson, and that's not a market that most people would be looking to for midterm stays. Right. You know, they're, you know, they're totally looking as we talk about travel nurses and, you know, large areas for uh, hospitals and that type of stuff. I think I, I look at pretty much almost any market. A lot of the rural markets are where people have invested historically and they've been successful. Um, they're happening in Panama City Beach. They're happening in beach communities. They're happening in mountain communities. Honestly, I think any place that you follow the same thing that we talk about with those traffic drivers, if you have traffic drivers, whether it's urban uh, or, you know, a national park or a lake or, you know, a beach, whatever that is, I think the fundamentals are very similar. Um, it's just a different asset class, you know, that you're going into, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. But, I I think it's important for people listening, um, most people listening that it's, if you're interested in this strategy, that you should probably align yourself with someone who has some sort of experience either with it or in the construction side so you can get that history and the, so you can get in. I, I think it can be, I don't want to say dangerous, but you're going to have a harder time finding this right. is not for somebody that's never done this before. Exactly. There we go. No. <laughs> I'm just going to give you an example. And a lot of you look to me and, and say, well, you've done this stuff. Well, you know, I built a commercial, I built a couple of commercial buildings using contractors, right? And I've done single family homes and I've had duplexes in California and that type of stuff. But I've never changed. I've never bought an apartment complex and converted it to a boutique hotel. You know, there's a big difference in putting 50 to 150 grand into an SDR and a single family home on renovation and moving a wall, putting in flooring, you know, new cabinets, that type of stuff. And there is doing legit construction on a commercial property. So there's a reason that our capital group, Riven Capital Group, has me, the hosting and the optimization and, and you know, the marketing and, and identifying properties and all that type of stuff. We've got John Hodge, who owns a construction company, right, and has short term rentals has midterm rents, is building a hotel right now, is built apartment complexes with his business partner, Trip, who's done all that same stuff. 
but he's the expert in the back end, the accounting piece, right? So we have Trip buried in the back office. We've got John handling banks and also construction. And then we have me doing the other stuff, right? That's a perfect trifecta to be able to get in this. I don't think any of us would do it individually. So if you can fill those gaps, then I think you've got a good team, but this is definitely not something that I think an individual investor that's never done it before, unless you've just got deep, deep pockets, you know, it would behoove you to take on some partners, you know, for this type of a deal. Yeah. I like it. Cool. All right. Is that it? We're done? I, I think that's it. I, I really do think that's it. I mean, I personally can't speak to doing it because I'm, I'm not doing it. So, um, but I feel like I can represent someone who's interested in doing it. Uh, a lot of people, I'm seeing it as a, like a fad. Like I'm starting to see like, the boutique hotel side. Like, oh, getting to boutique hotels. It's super simple. But the people who are kind of pitching that, or talking about any of the, the difficulties of the funding and- It's way harder than a single family home, way harder. Right. I mean, I can tell you, I, I rehabbed a 54,000 square foot, four and a half acre flooded property, commercial property, and Gold Lead certified it, Kenny. That was the hardest thing that I've ever done from a construction standpoint. But I had a great team, great contractors. I had uh, three people that were helping me through the lead certification. I was essentially making decisions and writing checks from my business partner, you know, to do this. But I was in it every single day for like 17 months. This is a whole different animal because the only way that this works, in my opinion, and I can't even tell you how much research we've done on this. I personally have never executed one of these. John and Tripp, absolutely. But they've turned them into other apartment complexes or built their own hotel. They haven't taken like an apartment complex and turned it into a boutique hotel is you have to, I mean, it's a bird, it's kind of what you, you're buying, you're, you're buying a shit breather, right? And you're, you're going you're gonna to renovate it and you're going to make it look nice, just like we do in, you know, a burr method, essentially, right? So, but the construction is at a whole different level. It's like these, it's like going into Louisville and buying these early 1900s houses. And then these people get these inspection reports and they're like, oh my God, but you got to know that going in that buying a 1908 built house is completely different than 2008. Right. So like the things we're buying are built in the fifties and the sixties, right? I mean, it's, they're not coming down to studs, but in some cases, I mean, there's plumbing and there's electrical. One of the two properties we're going to have to replace a hundred percent of the electrical. Oh, we know that's like a 200, $250,000 job at retail. We're going to get it done under a hundred because of job, right? Those are the things that give the advantage to be able to do this. You know, Bill and Kenny aren't going and doing this just with the two of us. We're missing the key components, right? And that's what I think. It's not sexy. I think that it's just like people following Avery Carl into the Smokies or me into Banner Elk or, you know, whoever into, you know, Orlando or whatever it is. They see people do it and then they jump on the bandwagon, right? And it's cool. But for this, you better have the team. And this is definitely not something you're buying turnkey. If you buy turnkey, you're not going to have any place to force appreciation and increase those T12s. It's not, it's not your grandma's turnkey. <laughs> it's not, man. I mean, this is, uh, you know, Golden Girls isn't enough here. You know, where it has been for single family homes in prime markets where you can, you know, refurnish for 50K and, you know, paint the exterior and blah, blah, blah. 
it's it's much deeper than this. And then one of the one of the uh, one of the two properties that we're talking about is potentially probably has a a whole nother million to two million dollar phase two uh, because of what the the city what it's already zoned for you know from and that's something we have to determine on the front end um and that's much bigger than something that i can handle on my own there's no question that's interesting cool well i'm excited to hear the developments of this i mean <laughs> i don't want to throw you under the bus or john under the bus here but um if somebody is interested in working on a project with this can they reach out to you or how can they because I, I mean, if, if I was listening to this and I'm like, cool, I don't have the experience, but I am interested in maybe partnering someone or I've got money, but I need I need help. How do I do? Do I reach out to you or what, what do I need to do? Um, I mean, look, number one, we're not soliciting investors uh, for this. Um, that doesn't mean that we wouldn't take on the right ones. This is there are investors in both of these properties. Uh, so I'll just. We talked about, you know, doing a syndication. We're not doing a syndication as of right now. We're just doing equity partners, you know, in the deals, essentially by invitation. But, you know, you can you can hit me up on Instagram, BillFaith73, shoot me a DM or email me, Bill at BillFaith.com. I mean, I think there's it's always good for us to have options as well. Both uh, projects are accounted for and, and fundraised. The other thing that's, I think, really important is we put our own money into every project. So it's not like we're using other people's money. So we're looking for true business partners. That's typically going to be friends, family, mastermind members, stuff like that. But it's, uh, yeah, just reach out to me. I just want to make it abundantly clear. We're not raising money. So if we don't have something for you, don't be upset. Uh, but also if you follow Kenny and I, don't think I'm going to be pitching you guys to, to invest in deriving capital. That's definitely not going to be the case. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. We'll see you on the next episode, everybody. Have a great day. Happy hosting. Thank you for listening to STRonomics. Stay ahead of the curve and subscribe today. This podcast is a hospitality.fm production.